Open your Bibles. Open your Bible apps. Open your pew Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 12. I want to look at the first two verses. If you're using a pew Bible, that's on page 1123. Uh, um, And this is a passage that um, kind of marks a turning point in the book of Romans. Uh, We've had a lot of theology, and now we're going to get a lot of practice. Uh, And this is this thing starts with a couple of things we're supposed to do, and then it pivots to a really amazing promise. But with that, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Listen for God's holy word to you. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is the word of the Lord. So I love passages that start with the word therefore, because when you see the word therefore, you're supposed to see by looking backwards why you are there for. What am I there for? Well, I'm therefore in the book of Romans because throughout the book, chapters 1 through 11, we've been told, hey, you were dead in sin. You were a slave to sin. You were lost, but God, out of sheer grace, saved you through Jesus and what Jesus has done. And and you can receive that salvation by faith. And that's all you bring to the table is faith and what Jesus has done. But now, in light of all of that, therefore, because of that, God wants you to do some things. Not to get your salvation, but getting to this spot now that you are saved, therefore, what should you do? And what should you do? Well, it tells us really plainly. To offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and right act of worship. Uh, What does that mean, to offer your body as a living sacrifice? Well, it means that you die to yourself, to your way of thinking, to what you want to do, and you do it on a daily basis. You pick up your cross daily and you follow him. And I say this daily bit over and over again because working out our salvation is not a one and done. It's a day in, day out practice that we have to do because you know the problem with living sacrifices they keep crawling off the altar so they have to be brought to the altar again and again and again and again but if you will do that you will not only not conform to the pattern of this world but you will be transformed you will become something entirely different and then unlike the rest of humanity you know what you'll be able to do and here's the promise you'll be able to know God's will. You'll be able to know, you'll be able to test, you'll be able to approve. You won't think it's a bad idea. You'll go, oh, yeah, what God's asking me to do is actually a really good idea. You'll be able to know his will. And you'll know that it's good. It's good for you. It's good for the world. And and you'll know that it's pleasing It it pleases God, and it pleases us, and it's ultimately going to please the world. And and you will know that it's perfect. That's the best 
possible thing for you to do what God wants you to do. Now, I say all this because it's a great encouragement, not just for all the in-and-out decisions we have to make. I have a junior in high school who is starting to wrestle with where he's going to go to college. Guess what? He can know. That's what this passage is saying. But I also say it because we are in the midst of a GROW initiative. It's a whole GROW sermon series. It's a whole GROW initiative that, that is asking you to make some big decisions. We, we, we are trying to grow in our evangelism and in our discipleship and our use of these facilities. And to do all of that, we, we are asking all of you to, to take on a one. To have one person in your life who isn't walking with Jesus, who um, lives locally, who you will rearrange your life to spend time with, and who you will uh, uh, walk with as a friend. Not as a project, but as a friend, hoping that they will uh, trust you, hoping that they will become curious, and that someday you'll be able to help them either renew their walk with Jesus or start a walk with Jesus. And we're also asking you to give sacrificially. Over and above what you already give to this church, which we know is substantial, we're trying to raise a million and a half so we can update these facilities in ways that will help us plant churches and strengthen our children and family ministry and which will um, catch up on deferred maintenance and make this a more welcoming place when you bring your ones to it. We're making these big, big asks of you and we are really aware that you have lots of choices. You have lots of good choices you can make of what you do with your time and what you do with your talent and what you do with your treasure. And let's be honest, having a one and giving sacrificially will tie up some of that. So is it God's will for you to do that? That's the question you should be asking right now. You should be asking that. That's the question we're asking you to ask. And we're asking you to be able to come back and give us an answer on March 26th with some commitment cards. And can you know? And the good news is, yes, you can know. You can know what God's will is for you. That's what it said in here, that you can know God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for you in this regard. If you seek God, you will find him. If you're seeking who should be your one, or whether or not you should have a one, you can figure it out. If you're seeking whether or not you should give and how much you should give, you, you can find out. The question is, is how do you seek? And for that, I want to look at this Matthew 7 text. So now flipping your Bibles over to Matthew 7, I want to look at verses 7 through 23. In your pew Bibles, this is on page 11, or no, sorry, page 961. Uh, uh, and this is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It's not all of it. It's a good portion of it. Uh, you will want to keep your Bibles open because I'll refer to something in Matthew 5 in a little bit. 
as well. But, and we're just going to pretty much walk through what Jesus did. But now listen for God's word to you. Matthew 7, verses 7 through 23. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. This is the word of the Lord. So you heard there at the end how much doing God's will matters, right? Because only the ones who do the will of God will enter the kingdom of heaven. But God's will is not always what we think about. But Jesus up front tells us that knowing God's will is fairly simple. All you have to do is ask. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and a door will be open for you. And that is particularly true when it comes to asking and seeking and knocking about God's will. So the question is, are you doing that? Are you asking? Are you seeking? Are you knocking? Now some of you are going, ah, I don't know how to do that. I'm not sure. Yes, you do. It's really not that hard. Uh, uh, it's the classics. If you want to know what God wants for you to do, just ask. And how do you ask? You pray. Uh, and, and maybe you fast. And, and maybe you honor the Sabbath. And maybe you study and memorize and read scripture maybe you book time for silence and solitude maybe you get into community and get them joining you and asking and seeking and knocking there's lots of ways to do this there are all these classical spiritual disciplines there are scads of great books i can point you to but the bottom line is you just need to do it 
Just do those things. It's not hard to understand what to do. It might be hard to do it because you've got a lot of other demands and, and, and the last thing the devil and your flesh and the world wants you to do is to actually engage in this sort of stuff. But, but if you would just do it, you will answer. If you ask God, God, should I have a one? Or who should my one be? Or should I give to this campaign? God will answer. He might not use an audible voice, but believe me, he'll lead you and all the, in and through all the things we just talked about. And if you're seeking, seeking like, God, how do I make this approach to my one? How do I first invite them to coffee? Uh, um, I'm seeking, Lord, how should I give this gift? He'll show you. And, and if you knock on heaven's door, praying that it would be open for your friend, your loved one, to enter the kingdom of heaven, guess what? That door is going to be opened. I can't guarantee the person will walk through it, but I can guarantee the door will be open because you asked. And not just because you asked, but because he promised. You see, that's his nature. That's what Jesus tells us in this passage. Jesus says it in really stark terms. He says, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to you if you just ask? I, I mean, you can give him a hard time afterwards, but today's my son's birthday. And if he asked me for, for a cupcake, I say that because he wanted some cupcakes, I give him cupcakes. I don't give him a snake. If you ask God, God, should I have a one? Should I give to this campaign? Yeah, he'll give you the answer. He'll give you a good gift. And one of the best gifts God can give you is giving you a gift of being part of his salvation for the world. He'll let you have meaning and purpose. He'll, he gives you the gift of being a disciple who makes disciples. And if you've never led somebody to the Lord, let me tell you, that's a gift. It's a huge gift that he gets to give you. But the key here is you've got to do your part. There needs to be some effort on your part in the midst of this. You hear that in what Jesus says next. Enter through the narrow gate. You see, you see, the narrow road and the small gate, that's going to take some real effort on your part. And the gospel is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning, as Dallas Willard put it. You should, you should actually have to work at this some ways. Because what you're doing is narrow, it is hard, it's not easy. Again, it's not difficult to figure out. It might be somewhat difficult to actually do. And it's definitely going to be countercultural, right? Because what does he say? Many are on the highway to hell. But few are on the narrow path. 
And by the way, I, I want to emphasize that point because that speaks to the urgency of those of us who are on the narrow path to go help guide others onto the same thing. And one way to do that, have a one. Start walking with them. Start, start doing that. Make that effort for their sake, but also for your sake, because notice what comes next. It's not just staying on the narrow path is hard for us generally. It's hard very specifically because there are false prophets. There are false prophets who want to lead you off the narrow road. We used to think of evangelism as a one-way street, that, that, hey, I'm bringing you good news to do one thing. But nowadays, what we need to realize is there are people, when we're in the process of evangelizing them, they're trying to counter-evangelize us. They're trying to get us off the narrow road and on the highway to hell. That, 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 that's what's going on in the midst of this. And, and he says, watch out for these false prophets. They, they are wolves in sheep's clothing. By the way, what's the church called? The sheep of his pasture. We're the sheep. And there can be wolves in our midst. And that calls us to be really discerning. It calls us to, to really spend time asking, seeking, knocking, are, are, are this of you, God? And that can be tricky because we tend to get mixed up about what is fruit. See, we tend to think that success is fruit. We tend to think that really charismatic teaching and preaching is fruit. And that can be a good thing, but you know what? It's, it's not fruit. And we tend to think that, man, someone who drives out demons, man, that they must be of the Lord. Not necessarily. And we tend to think of people who can do miraculous healings, of that must be from the Lord, and those are good things, and they can be from the Lord, but that's not fruit. If you want to know who really is, you need to actually look inside. You need to look at their character over their charisma. And you need to discern based on that. And so what is this fruit? Well, I told you earlier that I was going to flip back to Matthew chapter 5. So go look at that Matthew chapter 5 bit in there. And you'll see right at the beginning of, of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus lists the Beatitudes. And I would tell you that the Beatitudes are actually the fruit. So if you're going to listen to somebody, are they poor in spirit? Are they meek? Do they mourn sin? Do they hunger and thirst for righteousness? Are they merciful? Are they pure in heart? Do they seek to be peacemakers. Even sometimes, are they, are they persecuted? Another way to look at this is to look at Galatians 5. If you want to discern if somebody's telling you the truth, if they're asking, are, are they full of the fruit of the Spirit? Are they full of love and joy? and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, 
and self-control. The stakes are really high here in discerning all this, both generally and particularly, and the stakes are high not just for you, but really for the world, because only the one who does the will of the Father gets into heaven. Everybody else, even if they do things in Jesus' name that aren't really his will, they're, they're said, away from me. I never knew you. And so, again, this task of asking and seeking and knocking is urgent and important, and you need to put time into it, generally and specifically. And that's what I'm asking of you. I'm asking you to go before the Lord and ask him, God, do you want me to be part of this campaign? Do you want me to have a one? If so, who should that one be? How should I approach them? What do I do with them? God, should I make a financial gift to this campaign? How much? On what payment schedule? What should I do? I, I want you to ask and to seek and to knock about that. And we want to help you do that. That's why we've given you these campaign books, campaign books that have daily prayer guides, campaign books that have daily devotions in them that will help you ask and seek and knock. And this is why uh, a week from Wednesday, March 22nd, we're going to gather together and we're going to have a prayer and worship night. And what are we doing in that prayer and worship night? We're asking God, God, what should we do? as individuals, and as a church. And the really good news is, is God's going to answer. He's going to tell us. He's going to tell you. Because ask and it will be given. Seek and you'll find. And, and, and if, you tra you know, if you don't conform to the pattern of this world and you are transformed by the renewing of your minds, then you will be able to test no, test and approve God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. And as you heard in Jeremiah 29, if you seek God with all your heart, you're going to find him. Would you do that? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's do that now, actually. Let's pray. Lord, we claim your promise that when we, when we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you, as a spiritual act of worship, and when we don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but are transformed by the renewing of our minds, that, that we can know your will. And we can test it and we can approve of it, and we'll be confirmed that it is good and pleasing and perfect. And thank you, Lord, that, that if we seek you with all our hearts, we will find you. You will be found, and when we ask, it's given, and when we seek, we find, and when we knock, the doors open. So, Lord, that's what we're doing. We're doing it for ourselves and for this world and for this church. Lord, we're asking, show us what we should do.
you put opportunities in front of us. Some of them look easy and broad, and some of them look narrow and hard. Which ones are of you? Show us. And if you have shown us, Lord, assure us. Give us peace. Let us say it is well with our souls. In your name, amen.